Peggy Gunter from Aspen, and I want to welcome you to the Aspen Blenderized Tube Feeding Podcast. I would like to introduce our faculty. We have Therese O'Flaherty, formerly from Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Therese spent many years on the interdisciplinary feeding team. We also have Lisa Epp, advanced practice dietitian on the home parenteral and enteral team. She's an assistant professor of nutrition at the College of Medicine and Science at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Both of these dietitians have lots of experience with blenderized tube feeding, and we are honored to have them share their thoughts with us today. Before I get started, I would like to thank Nutricia of North America for sponsoring this podcast. First, Lisa, can you explain to us what blenderized tube feeding or BTF is? What is the difference between homemade blended formulas, commercial blended formulas, and standard commercial formulas made by manufacturers or what we call standard formulas? Can you also explain how patients combine these various formulas according to their needs? Absolutely. You know, I think the easiest answer to this question is blenderized tube feeding is just food and water. Um, So when we look at, you know, taking a mixture of food and liquid, sometimes modulars might be used or sometimes a commercial product, but it's really taking those foods, putting them in a blender and making them a consistency that can be given via feeding tube. We actually really don't have a standard definition this or even a standard name for what to call it. So um, some people may refer to this as homemade tube feeding, whole food tube feeding, real food tube feeding, food-based tube feeding, um, even pureed diet via gastrostomy. You know, all those similar terms mean the same thing. We're taking food and liquid and putting them through a feeding tube. And there's really a wide range of combinations in which we can do this. So as you mentioned, the first one, home blenderized tube feeding or prepared tube feeding is what we think of when someone's cooking in their kitchen, maybe on a Saturday or for their family, and they're preparing foods that they would normally eat by mouth, um, mixing those with liquids, putting them in a blender, and then giving them via feeding tube. But we also have a wide variety of commercial products that have either taken pureed foods or um, liquefied foods and put them in a commercial package that are made for feeding tubes as well. So we think of those as commercial blenderized formulas. And then lastly, kind of that standard formula that we might all be used to seeing, you know, when you look at the Aspen formula guide, there's 130 formulas on there. And many of those is what I would consider a standard commercial formula, taking ingredients like carbohydrate, fat, and protein in a more liquid form um, to be given via feeding tube. So those are kind of the three different formula options. But when we look at, you know, blenderized tube feeding, we say, okay, well, what are people's options for that? And those are a combination of all the things. So we might have someone who's doing some home blending and cooking in their kitchen, but then they use a standard commercial formula to thin that food down enough to go through a feeding tube and and blend that together. Maybe they're taking one of the commercial blenderized formulas and adding additional foods that they want to have in their diet to that product. Maybe they're just using a commercial product altogether um, or just doing home blending 
or maybe every day is different and they do one thing one day and one thing the next. So as you can see, there is a wide variety of options when it comes to blenderized tube feeding. Okay, thanks so much, Lisa. To Therese, I understand that you developed the pureed by G-tube diet at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Can you explain this diet to the listeners and how it compares to the blended tube feedings? Yes, the pureed by G-tube diet is different in that it is, we developed it at Cincinnati Children's specifically as an individual, specially calculated tube feeding, provided it's, it's basically thicker. It's using small, thick, caloric-dense G-tube boluses of blended foods, and it takes only five to 10 minutes to administer. It's given as boluses. The goals of this diet is that it eliminates episodes of retching and gagging. It decreases the frequency of feedings and it transitions the children off of continuous feeds into a more bolus feeding schedule. It meets their individual requirements as far as calories, promotes growth, weight gain, and it encourages opportunity for them to eat orally. In comparing it with the blended tube feeding, actually it's using blended tube feedings, blended um, foods in the tube feeding, but there's no need for a feeding pump. It's more about the viscosity of the product that if it goes through a feeding pump, it's not a pureed by G-tube. And again, it's, it's used to decrease episodes of retching and gagging or those children that don't tolerate high rates of continuous feeds on a feeding pump. There's also no blender necessary because we typically use blended foods that are already blended and using a combination of blended foods, commercial uh, formulas. So all to provide this caloric dense formula. Thanks, thanks so much. Therese, again, can you discuss nutritional completeness of blenderized tube feeding and why it's really important to have a dietitian involved? Another question is, should caregivers and patients add additional vitamins and minerals to their formula? Yeah, absolutely. A dietitian needs to be involved whenever you're using a, a tube feeding as complete or supplemental nutrition for a child, because what they're doing is they're calculating if it's a complete formula, we want to make sure that they're getting all of their uh, caloric vitamin mineral needs. So that most often when I've calculated blended tube feedings and because mine are in smaller in quantity and volume, typically we do need to add additional a multivitamin, either partial or a whole vitamin uh, sodium, calcium, vitamin D, those are the ones that are um, hard to get in if you're looking at 100% of their needs. However, parents are really, you know, I think the trend now is not to use synthetic type of vitamins. And the benefits of using blended foods is that you're getting those natural vitamins and minerals there in their diet. So as far as vitamin supplementation, again, I think that the dietitian should always be looking at the composition of the formula to determine if vitamin supplementation is necessary. However, if they're using just all blended foods, 
I don't think you need to worry about it being nutritionally complete every day as our diet is not complete every day. Okay, thanks so much. Lisa, can you talk about the common GI side effects of tube feeding and where you see these being improved with blended diets? Talk to the literature and what you see in your clinical experience with adult patients. Absolutely. You know, I really think of the benefits, the clinical benefits in two different categories. I think of those tolerance benefits um, and then psychosocial benefits. So when I look at some of my patients who have tube feeding intolerance, maybe like constipation, diarrhea, reflux, volume intolerance, those are the types of things that I'm seeing improved in my practice in patients who are using blenderized tube feeding. Um, so maybe able to come off some medication for bowel regimen, having decreased vomiting, um, decreased reflux, um, maybe be able to decrease their anti-reflux medication and be able to tolerate more volume at one time. This is really what the literature is showing us in children. And really when you look at almost all of the publications related to improvement in GI symptoms, they are all amongst children. So at this point, we can only assume um, that those things would be improved in adults as well. But like I mentioned, those are things that I'm seeing in my practice and, and the things that people are really excited about when they're tolerating the blenderized tube feeding better than they were a commercial formula. But there is that whole other category of benefits like improved quality of life, psychosocial benefits such as, you know, eating with their family. You know, when I hear someone say, you know, you've really brought the joy of cooking and feeding my love wood back into my family, that really affects someone's psychosocial health as well. We're also seeing some evidence of decreased healthcare utilization. You know, as our patients are tolerating feedings better, they're not contacting us often. They're not coming into the ER with dehydration. Um, and we're seeing a little bit of that in the literature as well. So I think there's those two subsets of improved outcomes, and I think they're equally as important. Great. That's great. Lisa, I understand that you're leading an Aspen work group on authoring a clinical recommendations paper on BTF. Can you tell our listeners about that paper, the main topics, a few of the highlights, and when you might expect that to be published? Yes. So this has been a really exciting project to work with. We have a great multidisciplinary team within the Aspen Enteral Nutrition Committee that's been working a little over a year on bringing these recommendations together. And the exciting thing is, is we are expecting it to be published late this summer, possibly early fall. So um, not too much longer to wait. But what you can expect in that paper is, you know, some basics such as, you know, what should I consider about my patient before recommending blenderized tube feeding? You know, those clinical considerations like what kind of tube they have, do they have good follow-up, do they have access to you as a dietitian to help develop recipes? But then we really go into some of the, what I would say, nitty gritty things about the tools needed, um, specific blender recommendations, how to build recipes, and we give some sample recipes in the document as well. We also talk about the differences between commercial blenderized formula and home blenderized formula. 
And a new tool that you're going to see in that paper, which I think is really going to be helpful, especially as maybe dietitians aren't as comfortable recommending or um, managing blenderized tube feeding is the inter we're using the international Dys dysphagia diet standardization initiative to really help um, test the consistency of the recipes at home um, so people can feel more comfortable that they're not going to be clogging their feeding tube so I think that's going to be really exciting we talk about food safety considerations and even you know how to implement this in a hospital practice both on a general ward and in critically ill patients. So I feel like it's going to be really all-encompassing and really great practical tips that can help clinicians. Oh, that's terrific. I can't wait to see that paper. Therese, do you have any additional thoughts or tips about the use of BTF in the pediatric patients? And also, um, a second question, do you have any experience in getting a blenderized tube feeding into an inpatient formulary? That's always a big question. Yes, yes. And I, I agree with Lisa. And it's just so wonderful to see so many new products of blended diets coming out and that are available. I think the the consistency now that some commercial companies are bringing out formulas that are already blended that have a certain calorie level, protein level in it, and the varieties of different compositions in that, that you can use something different every day. It, it allows the families not to have to worry about making that blend and blending every day. And I think that that is a real benefit to promoting more blended tube feedings in the diet. As far as, you know, it's just pop and pour, that the varieties out there, as far as travel, Insurance companies now are covering the cost so that the cost of having to purchase all these foods, cook them and spend a whole day cooking and putting in freezing the food safety. And just, I, I think that we are, we're at a point where it's just so wonderful to be able to have that, to be able to travel and not have to worry about bringing a blender with you and just be able to maybe combine and add maybe a couple of extra things to the formula for your specific needs. It's just making it a lot easier. As far as the hospital formulary, I was able to write um, and get approved an inpatient formulary for blended foods. And that again is using um, shelf stable foods like with baby foods or adding a commercially prepared um, shelf stable food not to avoid the safety issues of blending and keeping food, you know, safe after it's been blend. So the ease of administration and preparation in the formula room is very straightforward. Also too, I think that, you know, before I didn't mention going to more bolus, blended foods, are, I think are easier to use as a bolus feed if possible, and then use the fluid in between. And again, getting more to that daily, instead of a continuous feed, get more to allowing your stomach to empty, get hungry again, and to promote oral intake. I've seen that a lot with um, using the blended. I think it helps with bowel regularity and it's just wonderful. Thanks. Thanks so much. So finally, do either of you have any final thoughts for our listeners? 
Well, I would definitely say if, if I've learned anything throughout these years of me um, having an increased interest in blenderized tube feeding is that I know very little um, and there are so many options out there. And so I think as dietitians or as nutrition professionals, um, I think sometimes that if we make assumptions that one way is best or one way is for everybody, it might close the door for somebody like Therese was saying, like maybe someone doesn't want to blend with a blender in their home, but they really do want to use a commercial product. You know, we have those options now, but I also don't want to discount that um, patient or caregiver who says, I am just so happy to be preparing foods for my loved one. And it's actually decreasing my time because they're tolerating what I'm making instead of me watching them not tolerate the formula that they were on before. So I think it's really that opportunity for that patient-centered focus on creating a nutrition plan that works for the patient, but that also that you can help them do in a safe manner. Lisa, I totally agree with you. I think that too, getting the child and, and family involved, I've had families prepare some of the foods and they blend the foods that they're eating at the meal and blend it that the child is eating the same food that everyone else is eating. I just think the openness to the thought that it doesn't have to be a formula with synthetic vitamins and minerals that we could use real foods is just so exciting. So I absolutely agree with you. It really depends on the family, their lifestyle, and their ability to have, you know, time off pumps or, you know, just to whatever fits their schedule during the day. Great. This is so exciting. And I really look forward to the paper, as well as uh, more literature coming out on this topic every day. I'd like to thank Therese and Lisa for their really words of wisdom here, and also to Nutrition North America for their support of this podcast. Thank you and have a good day. 